podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And you're listening to Afraid Not. This is episode number 65. And we have an interview today with Brittany Crawford. And she is such an inspirational person. She has a lot of hats in her life that she wears. Not only is she an early childhood worker and a painter of chalk paint, she's an author of three books, she's a journaler, and she's been through some really, really tough stuff, including overcoming the obstacle of cerebral palsy. She is absolutely inspirational, and I'm so excited that she came on our show today. And do you have children or loved ones that are afraid of storms, especially here in Oklahoma or in the South? Um, we have lots of storms and tornadoes and things that might frighten children. She has books to help your children to deal with that. And she will talk about that. So we are excited for you to listen to Brittany Crawford. So listen in. Hi, Brittany. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. We are grateful that you were one of our listeners on Afraid Not. And it's so nice to find out that someone's been listening and that you have a story to share as well. And we really are thrilled that you took that chance. And we are excited to hear what the Lord's put on your heart today. We would love to start with your introduction. So just tell us and our listeners a little about you and what's going on in your world these days. Well, um, I'm pretty much a woman of all hats. Of many <laughs> hats. Um, I am a volunteer by day at uh, Lakeview Early Learning Academy in Skytook. I get the pleasure of working with two, three, four, and five-year-olds all, all the way up to ages 10 because we have school-agers that come in the afternoon. I uh, paint chalk pictures. I write books. And before the pandemic hit, I was also in Special Olympics at SkyTech. Oh, wow. How so cool is that? That's awesome. And I, and I also attend SkyTech Christian Church in SkyTech, where I do a lot there with the children as well. Oh, cool. Mm. Well, you are a busy lady. You do wear a lot of hats. My goodness. And you've, you have written three books, right? Yes. Wow. That's a huge accomplishment. And yeah, so tell us about that. Yeah, we okay. want to hear about that. And we're going to put the information about your books in our show notes as well. Okay. Um, as a children's author, I believe every person has a story. But as a Christian, I believe Jesus started writing the story before we were even born. Hmm. Yeah. I have three passions, but writing these books are a, I just love it. <laughs> uh, I, I get speechless sometimes, uh, so forgive me. It's so fun when your passion that the Lord's put in your heart becomes something that is a blessing to other people too. 
Right. So the books you've written that are now in children's hands, that's an exciting way to spread something God's given you. It's pretty cool. Yes. And uh, I've worked very hard to get where I'm at because my life hasn't always been easy. Um, I have cerebral palsy. As a matter of fact, I was born with it, but diagnosed at nine months of age. It affects the right side of my body, my hand, my arm, my leg, and my foot are affected. And... Mm -hmm. If you took a look at me, I just want to be treated normal like everybody else. But there are some uh, slight differences. For one, I cannot drive a vehicle. You don't even want me to drive a vehicle. (laughs) Uh, I I could tell you stories about that, but we'll save those for another day. (laughs) Um, And I cannot do my own hair in the morning but do I sit do I cry no I just keep kind of marching on and the the story I was talking about earlier well mine started October 9th 1977 and when I was born uh, my lung collapsed and the doctors told my mom and dad they said well I'm sorry, but you better get ready to bury your daughter because she's not going to survive this. Oh, I showed them. Mm -hmm. um, I showed them because my five-pound, two-ounce body just kept going and going and going. And uh, I spent a month in the hospital in the ICU, and then they brought me home. And then at nine months of age, I was actually diagnosed with cerebral palsy because my parents noticed I wasn't hitting my milestones. But you know what? Through all that, God had a plan. Mm -hmm. However, I was too young to understand it at the time. I mean, I was nine months old. (laughs) As I grew up, I'm ashamed to say I really didn't know who God was because I I mean people talked about God but I had went to church very few times in my younger years um but some of my first experiences with God happened in a tiny church in Cecil Arkansas where my grandma and grandpa lived and I would spend every summer going down to visit my grandparents because I grew up in Adair and Mm -hmm. it was a two-hour drive from my house to their house but I would spend every spare moment my grandparents were my rock basically Mm -hmm. you have a lot of, of happy memories from going to visit your grandma and grandpa Oh, yes. Um, As a matter of fact, the first time my grandma wore Reebok tennis shoes, I told her that she was the coolest grandma I knew because she's the only grandma that I knew that wore name brand tennis shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Go Reeboks. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And um, my relationship with God didn't really form it. until my teens because I started spending more time with my grandma and grandpa and every Sunday they made sure I was in church. Like I said, every summer 
I would visit, but I was just kind of fascinated with church. They would take me to church, even though I was kind of fascinated with it. I really didn't understand what anything meant until one day when my grandma whispered to me as the closing hymns were saying, she said, hey, Brittany, have you ever thought about becoming saved? And I was like, saved? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because I had never really been taught. And Grandma told me that being saved meant um, giving your life to Jesus and professing your faith in front of everybody. So she made me think. So I went home that Sunday and started reading and started researching and talking to my cousin as well as the pastor of the church at the time. And about six months later, in October of 2000, I was baptized 41st time. Hmm. I love it that this sweet story really hinges on your grandmother sharing Jesus with you. I think that is a treasure and sweet, sweet thing about your story. Yes. And I, I love grandma. She was my whole entire world. She and grandpa were both my whole entire world. It's not to say that I didn't love my parents, but I formed a really good connection with grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. That's very special. Yeah. Everything was going fine. I prayed. I, as a writer, I wrote in countless journals. I wrote down my prayers. In fact, I still have some of my prayers locked away in a hope chest from, from like high school. Mm-hmm. And everything was okay. I, I'd I'd still attend attend church every time I visited and and it was funny after I graduated high school I went to college at Roger State University in Claremore and and my primary goal was to become a journalist but that didn't work out so I now have a liberal arts degree mm-hmm. but the cool thing about or as you was, I got to take online classes. Mm-hmm. And at that time, my grandma and grandpa's health had started failing. My dad was diagnosed with kidney cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I think it was in November 2002 that he was diagnosed with kidney cancer. And by on April 9th, 2003, we lost him. So it was fairly fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I cried out to God because I, I really loved my dad too. And I said, God, why would you take him away from me? And I decided then and there that okay, if God was going to take my dad away, then I just wasn't going to talk to him. 
Mm-hmm. And I know that's a a really difficult decision on my part because I loved God. I just didn't understand why he had to take my daddy away because my dad was only um, 54 years old when he died. Mm-hmm. So young. Uh, yeah. It's understandable that you had that anger. I mean, that's a, yeah. a very real reaction of where you were in that loss. I get it. Yeah. Exactly. And for a while, i that's what I was, was lost. I mean, nobody prepares you for the loss of, of a parent. I mean, there's no manual mm. that says, here, here's how you deal with a loss. Well, for me, I went into depression. And... I also, at the same time I was depressed, I threw myself into college and really concentrated that with that because the one thing my dad had always told me is to always get a good education. And I did. Um, Roger State was really great for me. And my mm-hmm. that's where my daughter went. Yeah. Yeah. And I had phenomenal p- professors that kind of helped me through my dad's loss because um, just before I started school, my sophomore year, that's when he passed away. And my teachers were like, OK, take your time with your work. We'll figure this out. Well, needless to say. I only took two days of grieving time and just jumped into the schoolwork right away. Mm. It kept me from thinking about him. And and then along came 2006. You know, I was still hurt by losing dad. And then... One day, um, my my grandpa, who had been in a wheelchair and survived a stroke and a house fire, he died of congestive heart failure. Hmm. And what was so unique about my grandpa's death is the fact that he hadn't really felt well uh, for a while and on the... Fourth of July, we always had a big family barbecue at my cousin's house, and he always loved going. Well, he didn't want to go, but he sent me with my cousin while my grandma stayed home. And we were right up the street, so if anything happened, I could be right there, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, my cousin brought me home, and she said, Hartzell, how are you? That was my grandpa. And she said, how are you? And she says, well, he goes, I'm not so good today, but I'll be better tomorrow. And that kind of sent a, I I really didn't think anything about it at the time. But now when I think about it, it sends chills up and down my spine because maybe he knew something that we didn't know. And so the next morning I got up to my grandma hollering at my mom 
and telling her to come in the living room really quick. At that time, my mother was a CNA. And I ran into the living room to find my grandpa slumped over in his chair and not breathing. And by the time the paramedics got there, we lost him. Mm. What a hard moment. Yeah. And then once again, um, just as I was getting over my dad, I said, okay, God, that's number two. Yeah. Taking two people away from me that I dearly love. Who are you going to, what are you going to do to me now? Mm -hmm. And once again, I refused to talk to him. And again, it's not the best way to handle it, but everybody handles grief differently. Right. So I lived with my grandma for a while and helped her out. It was painful to be in that house, but, you know, you you just got to truck on and go with it because that's what grandpa would have wanted us to do. Mm-hmm. And then 2011 happened. Um, my grandma started uh, getting in ill health, and she didn't. She was driving home one day, and she couldn't remember where she was. Mm. And so. About a week later, we took her to the doctor, and he performed some tests, and she was diagnosed with dementia. Oh. Mm. And really, she did good for a while. But then anybody knows that has any experience with dementia, they just go downhill pretty fast. Mm-hmm. It's a really, it's a really cruel disease. It's awful. Yeah. Y- yes. And um, I felt sorry for my mom too at this time because she'd lost her husband. She had lost her dad and now she was scared of losing her mom. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think instead of feeling sorry for myself, I felt sorry for my mom. Because here she was, I had only lost one parent. Well, with dementia, you don't know what's going to happen. So here she was with the possibility of losing two parents within a short time span. So she kind of did, I mean, we did all we could. uh, But one day I was laying down taking a nap you know when you care for somebody for dementia you can't sleep and I guess I must have closed my eyes for about two minutes and but by the time I got up my grandma was gone she had walked out the front door oh no wow yeah fortunately she didn't get very far because my cousin had lived a half a mile down the road at that time and And then she turned around and said something to me that I will never forget. Now, it was not her talking, but she said, Brittany, I hate you. You treat me like I am in jail. And I said, okay, fine. 
And then I went in there. I cried. I cried out to God. I prayed to him. But I think God pretty much knew what the answer was going to be, even though I hated it. So we moved her to a nursing home in Sepulpa because that's where my aunt lived. She lived in Glenpool, actually, and we moved her to Sepulpa. And I went to live with good friends of mine in Sperry. And actually, I went to First Baptist Owasso for a while, about a year. I continue visiting grandma in a nursing home and it pained me to see her in the nursing home. And then one day my aunt had called the people I was staying with and said, you better get Brittany over here because grandma's not doing too well. We were supposed to leave on a trip to Colorado the next day, but I didn't want to go. Well, my uncle said, you just go on. Your grandma would want that. Well, about an hour and a half after we got there, she was gone. That loss devastated me. And again, I cried out to God. I said, okay, this is number three. And this was really painful for me to go through because me and grandma were so close. I'm like, what are you doing, God? But you know what? Through all three of those losses, God had a plan. I had lived with people all my life, so I wanted to try to live on my own. So I got an apartment in Skytech, and I have lived in Skytech for nine years, and I absolutely love it. Well, that's I, an awesome example of being an overcomer. I think that we are pretty amazed to just hear how you've overcome so many obstacles. And here mm-hmm. you are doing amazing. That's great. Yeah. When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. <laughs> and that's what I've done or what I've tried to do. And my hope is with these books that these children will not uh, be scared, but be prepared for all types of severe weather, because I don't want children to have to go through the same heartbreak that I went through, you know, possibly losing somebody they love in a tornado or a flood or a thunderstorm, because it can happen. Mm -hmm. So tell us what brought you back to speaking to God again, because you said you weren't really talking to him and you were angry. What kind of softened your heart and brought you back? Well... I realized that, first of all, I realized that everybody dies. They would want me to keep living. But I was actually in Skyatook taking a walk one day uh, just and just for a few doors down from my apartment up the sidewalk a little bit, there was a church. And the sign said, welcome to Skyatook Christian Church. So I thought, no. I'm just going to keep walking because I'm tired of God. I'm tired of what he does to me. But, you know, that little voice in my head said, Brittany, I think you need to go. It's like the Lord was touching me and speaking to me and saying, you can overcome this if you just turn your feet toward 
that building. So I did. And I walked up and I, I knocked on the door. And yes, it was a Sunday. And I know I didn't need to knock, but I did anyway. And this really nice lady named Brenta came to the door. And I told her that I was I was curious about what God could do for me at Sky Tech Christian Church. Mm-hmm. And she said, come on in and I'll show you. Mm-hmm. So I went into this church not knowing a single soul. And it was really awkward to be in church after a lot of time away from it. I mean, yes, I would go to church when I was living in Sperry, but I still didn't get a whole lot out of it because I, I was still angry. I was too angry at God to get a whole lot out of it. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, God, I'm going to check out some other churches and see what they have to offer. Because at that time, I didn't know anything about re-stepping back into church after not really even knowing what I was doing. And so the the next week, I visited another church. It was not speaking to me like Sky Tech Christian Church did. So the next week, I went back to what I now lovingly refer to as the backyard church because Sky Tech Christian Church is literally in my backyard. (laughs) And I got the warmest welcome from these people that I hardly knew. We are so glad you're back. We thought you left us. Oh my goodness. We are so glad you're here. And God's going to do amazing things for you and move mountains. And I was like, okay. That must have meant a lot to you for that group of people to be so welcoming, such a community for you. I mean, these people really cared. So I stuck around for the sermon, which happened to be the first sermon that my now pastor had uh, preached for that for this particular church. So I am proud to say in March I was there 9 years. I've been there for 9 years and I love it. These people feel like family. That's so special. Yeah. And I'm very active in what I do as a matter of fact my uh, one of my friends that goes to that church is an artist. She illustrates the covers of all my Tilly books. How did you get the name Tilly for your books? How'd you pick that name? Well, I knew a little girl that had lost her parents at three years old. Her mom died of cancer and her dad was not really a good person. He was this three-year-old with virtually no parents, and Grandma was raising her. And Grandma really didn't know the first thing about raising a three-year-old because it had been a long time since she'd done it. Mm-hmm. So what I did um, shortly after her mother died, I went to Walmart and bought a little stuffed puppy dog and attached a note to it and I said anytime you need me to help you with your granddaughter I would love to even if you just want a few hours to yourself I I would just love to 
And I didn't really think anything about it. I attached it to the puppy dog's ear and went on my way. I didn't know if she was going to call me because she didn't know me from Adam. Well, two weeks later, I'm sitting on my couch watching TV when the phone rang. And it was the grandmother of this little girl. And she said, Brittany, I need your help. I am tired. I am really tired. Three-year-olds are a lot of energy. (laughs) And getting very bored with just Nana. So can she come to your house for a bit? And I said, sure, bring her on over. And I tell you, I struck up a friendship with that little girl. She didn't want to leave my house. (laughs) She was like, I'm sold. I'm living with Miss Brittany. And I said, well, before you live with me, let's talk to Nana. But she was so fun. And I just see Tilly a lot in her. But there are certain differences in my Tilly books. Like, Tilly has... A mom, her dad died, and then she got remarried, and then Tilly's stepdad dies of a heart attack. Fortunately, I still have my stepdad. So Mm -hmm. there's similarities and differences there. But yes, that's where I got the name Tilly. That's pretty sweet. And are the three children's books all about things like natural disasters, like the flood that happened? Yes. Years ago and things like that. Yes. In, in uh, Tilly and the Terrible Tornado, my first book, that was a neat story on how it evolved because I was volunteering my time at um, Head Start at the time. And we were in charge of approximately 90 children. They were all three, four and five year olds who didn't know what a tornado was. In fact, there's a line in the uh, tornado book that says, tomatoes? (laughs) I thought that was something you put on a hamburger as Tilly is talking to her mama. And her mama goes, oh, silly girl, it's tornadoes, not tomatoes. (laughs) Well, anytime a tornado warning is issued for Southern Osage County, I mean, we, our first inclination is to get those children into the shelter immediately. And we had a big safe room. All 90 children fit, but some of them were crying and some of them were scared. And here was these teachers and this volunteer. Oh, my goodness. You know, we've never been through a real tornado with these kids. We've been through drills, but we've never been through a real tornado with these children. I suddenly got the idea to, before I left the classroom I was volunteering in that day, I grabbed a book. I said, okay, while the teachers are dealing with the weather and scared parents out of their minds, I'm going to entertain the children. That's such a great idea. Entertaining approximately 93, four and five year olds while the teachers are on their phones, watching the weather, trying to reassure parents. That's a big job. Right. Some of them didn't listen, but some of them did. And a few of them were still crying, but we managed to get through it. 
and that, that's when that was the first tornado warning. And when that passed, we went back to the classroom. No sooner than we had got all these kids calmed down, here comes the second tornado siren. And we had to go back in the shelter. <laughs> so I had to grab another book and I started reading to them again. <laughs> By the end of the day, we ended up, we had to actually close our doors to the parents at some point because we didn't want our parents getting out in this, coming to get their kids. And the parents that were already there, they joined us in the shelter. Mm-hmm. And did that day inspire you to write the story about Tilly and the tornadoes? Yes, because there's not that many weather books for children. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. And, and you know, my daughter, when she was little, was petrified of storms and tornadoes and being in Oklahoma. That, that would have been very helpful. I mean, that's that's a huge thing for yeah, this, children. This is Tornado Alley. Mm-hmm. I mean, tornadoes can strike in January. Yeah. <laughs> At that, you know, um, a tornado can strike when you least expect it. And then the flood book, my inspiration for it came two weeks after this particular tornado because that tor- particular tornado that I was talking about happened April 30th, 2019. And two weeks later, we had the flood where half of Skyatik. Mm-hmm. I remember that was underwater. In fact, we made the national news because one of our restaurants, all you could see was the roof. Mm-hmm. And I was Isn't telling that our- just a, such an amazing memory. It really, it probably feels strange to look at those places and remember the water covering that restaurant to the roof line. It's so odd and crazy that it happened. Yes. And I was telling Robin earlier, Jill, that um, I had, Two little girls who were affected by the flood, They're, they lost their home, and they were two of our Head Start students, mm-hmm. and God just told me to step in and do something. So what I did was gathered a box with every spare piece of food, supplies, uh, baby dolls, anything that I could find, and I had it taken over there and delivered to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. did, did this mother just sit and cry because she lost her house? No, she got up and she started building. She was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she got the house rebuilt pretty quickly. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. amazing. I love it that you took the experiences that you've been through Mm-hmm. And moments that you were trying to comfort children and turned those into something so positive, like children's books. And it's really a great example of taking the adversity we're given and seeing what good can come out of it. Like you said, making lemonade from the lemons. So mm-hmm. it's, you're a great example, Brittany. What's unique about the, all these books is that they all take place in a a different part of the community. Like the first one takes place at a school. The tornado one takes place at the school. The uh, flood one takes place in a church because Tilly, she loves church. She loves to go to Sunday school. 
she, and her her mama makes sure that she's read to from the Bible every night. And she loves Sunday school so much. She uh, Tilly never wants to miss it. And I also think that's really important for kids to grow in the Word of God. There's nothing more important. You're right, because that the Word of God is going to be their defense against the enemy. So absolutely, you're right. So tell so, us where people can get, can find your books. What what's a good website or is okay. it on or um people can find my books on Amazon.com or Lulu.com. They're in Collinsville at Farm Hippie. Okay. They're in Claremore at Boarding House Books. And they are also in Pryor at the Book Exchange and Bible Bookstore. Okay. That's awesome. I'd like to get them in a Wasso somewhere, but I just haven't been able to do that yet. Okay. Well, Brittany, here's what I'm thinking about as we're wrapping up our conversation. I think of you as somebody who's a real example of being an overcomer in life. And you've been inspirational to talk to today. We thank you for spending time with us and sharing your story with us. And we are really grateful. Well, thank you for having me. This has been an absolute honor. Oh, we appreciate you coming. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening today. We're so glad that you're here listening to Afraid Not. Some of the themes that I'm taking with me from this conversation with Brittany are just simply making lemonade. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. There's so much to be grateful for, even in our adversity. And Brittany's example of crying out to God in her pain and finding such comfort in the church where she attends, in that community of believers, those are all really sweet moments from this conversation that are special to me. Yes, we are so grateful for you, for listeners. And um, we just ask if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Tell a friend and help us to get the word out. And we appreciate you guys. And we will see you back again in two weeks. Have a wonderful spring. Bye.